eyes and ears on whatever I'm going through. 866-391-1020 is the number. So many people out there are struggling. That's a fact. Like there are, you know, you're going through more than what other people see. And the same is true for everyone. We're all kind of going through more than what others see. And what happens is, I'm slightly out of breath. I've decided I'm turning over a new leaf, so I did push-ups right before I got I got on there. I did. I did push-ups right before I got on, and I'm out of breath. It's called turning over a whole new leaf, getting in shape. So maybe you're struggling and you're looking for a way out of it. I'm going to help you try to find a way through that. So I'm really excited because my book is ready for pre-order, so you can pre-order it now. It's called Walking Through Anger. It is... Uh, what I believe is going to be my legacy book. It's all about my yield theory, which is it's an approach to talking with people and being able to try to get through to others, even when they are going through intense emotions. You know that when you have a lot of emotions going on, it's difficult to get through to others, to speak in ways that are actually heard. But with walking through anger, I'm going to show you exactly what you can do So the next time you experience conflict, instead of running away from it, you're going to be able to go through it. That's what walking through anger is all about. And talking about emotions and emotional management. So we all have emotions. We all go through stuff. And when you're writing a book, my goodness, is that a roller coaster of going through, you know, you work really hard, you have ideas in your mind, and then you want to get those ideas out and Ideas don't always just pop out as clearly as we think them. So when I first started in uh, college, I remember not knowing what I wanted to major in. So I was trying different subjects. And one semester I minored in uh, acting. I took a couple acting classes. And on our, our job was in this acting class was to put on a task where the class, we didn't have any props, but the class would have to guess what we were going to do. And the lesson our teacher gave us, oh, this is 30 years ago. The lesson the teacher gave me stuck with me to this day. He said, look, in your mind, you probably picture yourself doing it really awesome and clear, and you're going to see yourself as super funny, and everything's going to work out, and everyone's going to see what you see. The reality is you're probably just going to move your arms and legs a little bit, and no one's going to have any idea what you're doing. So he said, visualize yourself doing it, but also visualize you on the outside looking in, seeing you the way other people see you. What a great lesson for life, because when you interact with people, there's one thing that's definitely true, and that is this. You play a role in every interaction that you have, and there's a chance that you see yourself coming across differently from how you're actually being experienced. There's a really good chance, and here's the reason why. People see your actions, not your intentions, but we judge other people by their actions, but we judge ourselves by our intentions. In other words, we know what we meant to do or didn't mean to do, but other people only see what we actually do. And so if we really want to confront conflict head on, we first and foremost have to be aware of ourselves and how we're really coming across to others, not just how we think we're coming across to others. So I start, and what I do in walking through anger, I really make the focus on the only person on the planet you can actually control, that's you. Because we could have a lot of great ideas for what else could, what everyone else could do or what everyone else should do, but you know as well as I do that 
if those people aren't willing to make those changes, it's not going to happen. But you are in control of you. I've told this story on the, on this show before, but when I was, my dad was, when I was young, I asked my dad why he was an earth scientist. And he said, well, you only are ever going to live on one planet. Why not get to know that planet? And I loved that lesson. And later on, when I was trying to find a course of study, like I said, I was trying everything out in college. And so finally I thought, well, I'm, I thought about my dad's advice and I loved that. I'm only ever going to live on one planet. But it, to me, I took it a step in a little bit different direction. And I thought, well, I'm only ever going to live with me. So why not get to know myself? See, something I learned early on and that I was, that was brought to my attention by others is I'm the one common factor in every interaction I'll ever have. And you are too. In every interaction, you know, you probably have people in your life that are irking you, that are getting to you. You probably have people in your life you'd like to confront. I talked to a woman earlier who wanted to confront others at work, but just doesn't like conflict. And she said, I don't like conflict. I don't like what's going on, but I, I don't feel like it's, it's bad enough for me to say anything. And I really don't want to know when that line is. And I'm sure many of you out there are, have experienced something like this. So tonight too, in addition to calling to ask about anything you want to ask about, I'm also willing to take calls. If you just want to kind of bring up topics that you'd like to know more about and just discuss 866-391-1020 is that number. And I'd love to hear from you. You can also send us an email too. But I, I know that there are a lot of you out there who are, look, we're getting ready to come into wintertime. And as we're coming into wintertime, what's something that happens? Seasonal affective disorder. There are people who are start to get down. You're not getting the same kind of, look, you don't have the same kind of sunshine that you're used to in the summer. Maybe when it's sunny, when it's nice out, you're also maybe outside doing things. And you might find yourself in the winter being inside more. So not only do we struggle with that, but we also struggle, follow me on this, with even the anticipation of that. So I heard some stores already have Christmas things out. When I was young growing up, it wasn't until after Thanksgiving that they would put Christmas things out in stores. And each year it gets earlier and earlier. And I guess now it's it's even now. It's almost as if the anticipation is, it's almost like a half a year celebration. But here's the deal. When you're struggling or maybe you're struggling with some sort of sadness about what am I going to be doing this winter? I'm going to feel shut in. I'm going to feel like I'm not getting out or connecting. And I'm already worried about feeling like that. So now it's not even happening, but you're worried about when it will happen. And that also weighs down on you. Here's another really strong reality. Whatever you're experiencing is real for you. See, perception is reality. So if your perception is whatever's happening around you, that's real. That's real for you. And no one can take that away from you. So the concept that I'm going to be discussing in the book, Walking Through Anger, it's about meeting people where they are. It's about trying to see the world from their perspective. A lot of us can articulate that it's helpful to see the world from other people's perspectives, especially in conflict, to, to, to get a sense of understanding. But then we're faced with that con- that conflict head on. And when we're faced with it head on, sometimes we we forget that whole trying to see things from others perspectives my hope tonight not only on this show but as i introduce this book to you is i'm going to give you a solid plan for how you can address the things you need to address both internally so the things you're struggling with in your own mind your perceptions 
your physiological feelings, sadness, anxiety, anger, but also how do we deal with this with others? Because you take two people, each of whom has so much more to them than what others see, you, you, you put all those issues together, and now all of a sudden there's conflict. Now how do we deal with that? How do we get through that? This is an emotionally charged world that we're living in. All you have to do is tune in to certain shows where you're going to be fired up and people are going to be fired up. And you see there's a lot of anger, a lot of yelling, all that stuff. Look, whatever you want to deal with when it comes to emotional management, give me a call. Let's talk about it. 866-391-1020 is the number. I definitely have a bunch of emails that we're going to get to tonight, but I also really want to hear from you. So 866-391-1020. You don't have to go through all this stuff alone. You don't. And if you don't feel comfortable saying your name, you can change your name. You can make up a name. The point is I want to connect with you. I want to help you in any way that I can. If you're struggling, you don't have to do it alone. 866-391-1020 is a number. This is... Emotional Management. I'm Dr. Christian Conti on KDKA Radio. Good evening, everyone. This is your chance to talk out things that you want to talk out. Look, we all have emotions. We all deal with things. We all have things that get to us. People that push our buttons. How do we deal with that? What do we do when that happens? Well, that's what this show is all about. Give me a call, 866-391-1020. And I'll help you out any way I can. So I do a YouTube channel. Just go to YouTube, type in Dr. Christian Conti. You'll see a bunch of videos from everything around emotional management, anger, things like that. But I got um, a message from Charlie on there. He said, thank you for saying, this this comes from one of my anger management videos. He says, thank you for saying you can go to bed angry. Thank God. Late night fights after a long work day. And three kids is hell. Charlie. Charlie, thank you so much for your for your message. And yes, isn't it freeing? So here was my advice on, on the video, but I've written about this before. I, I've done a little chapter in one of my one of my books, I think in Life Lessons. I said, Well, go to bed angry. It's okay to go to bed angry. Here's why. So a lot of times, this is really fascinating about the brain. So we're learning so much. And in 2019, we know so much more about the brain than what we used to know. But in in general, now, of course, if you're a neurologist out there, you probably cringe when people try to simplify the brain. And I don't blame you. It's so much more complex than some of the simple explanations that people like me might throw out there. But the reality is that if you're emotional, there is... And, and, and this is in the most simplified, simplified terms. I can break it down. There's in the center of your brain. That's kind of your, your seat of your emotions. So if someone was in a brain scan and that person was feeling really emotional, we're going to see more activity in that middle part of the brain. It's called the limbic system. Specifically in that limbic system, there are different Areas that are kind of responsible for different functions. Now, if that same person was in a brain scan and it wasn't, this person wasn't emotional and they were really thinking, they were critically thinking, then they'd have a lot more energy toward 
the front of their brain, the frontal cortex. So frontal cortex, kind of your higher level thinking, the limbic system, center of your brain, more emotional. So this is fascinating. So in that limbic system is something called the hypothalamus. Here's what the hypothalamus does. It's in charge of hunger. It's in charge of thirst. It's in charge of fatigue, whether you're tired. It's in charge of body temperature. So think about that. If this hypothalamus is in the middle of your emotional center and fatigue is one of the main things that it controls, then if if you're arguing, if you or your loved ones are arguing because one or both of you are overly tired, then by all means, get to sleep. If in the morning you still want to fight, you can continue fighting then. Look, I know the old adage, never go to bed angry, comes from a really good place. It's a wonderful adage. It's a great thought, right? It's a great thought. Don't go to bed angry. Which The, the concept behind that is take care of business, deal with things, don't keep stuffing them down, don't let them go away. The other aspect to that saying is life is short and you don't want to go to sleep and have something happen and then be in the, and have left it in the middle of an argument. Now, I respect that. That's a wonderful thought. And if that's possible, that's great. But here's a very pressing and real reality, something I've seen throughout my career. So I specialize in working with people convicted of violent crime. So sure, my view is slightly skewed towards seeing this type of violence, but I've seen it enough that it's common enough that I know some of you out there who are listening probably fall into this category where when you get overly tired, you find yourself so emotional, agitated, irritable, and you find yourself lashing out more and being angry. So kind of just like how Charlie wrote in and Charlie said, you know, thank you for saying you can go to bed angry because here he is coming home from a long work day and then arguing and, and, and think about how miserable that is. Now, what if you were to say, look, there's a real reason why we might be arguing right now that has nothing to do with what we're actually talking about. So one of the coolest concepts that I feel proud to be able to share with the world is this. From my clinical observations, I've found that your mind always wants to match your body. Your mind always wants to match your body. So if your body is really agitated and irritable, your mind will race to make up a story to make sense out of that. And the analogy I usually, the example I usually use is, let's say you down three energy drinks really quickly. Well, if you down three energy drinks really quickly, your heart's going to start racing. You're going to start shaking a little bit and you're going to feel physically anxious. Now, when you feel physically anxious, your mind is going to race to make up a story for why you feel like that. So instead of just saying, well, I drank three energy drinks, so it makes sense why I'm feeling like this, you're more likely to create a narrative around anxiety. I must be feeling like this because I forgot to do this, or I forgot to take care of that, and I forgot to do this. And then when you create a, a panicked narrative like that, what if I didn't do this? What if I didn't do that? Now your body sends your brain sends more cortisol, more adrenaline. Now you're more fired up. So your mind always wants to match your body. Now let's take this same concept to fatigue. So you come home. Yes, it would be ideal to work it out and go to sleep. But 
if the reality is that you're not going to work it out, you're going to stay up late and you're going to argue and you're going to have bitter feelings, then take my advice and go to sleep. Say something to the effect of, look, I love you. I don't feel like I can come to a good solution tonight because I'm honestly exhausted. I'm not thinking clearly. And then say, let's sleep on this. Let's talk about it in the morning. So now listen, there's a big difference between me saying, let's sleep on it and never talk about it. Because I've had guys do that. So I used to run groups for guys convicted of violent crimes in South Lake Tahoe, California. I had a center out there. And I remember a guy coming in one time and he was he was uh, messing around on his girlfriend. And he said, well, she she confronted me on it. And I told her, look, we're both tired. So Dr. Conti said we should just go to sleep and not talk about it. And so I told her the next day, no, we can't talk about it. I said, no, that is not what I said. I never said don't ever talk about it. I simply said let's not stay up all night. Uh, let's not have you stay up all night and argue because that's not healthy. I've had guys commit domestic violence crimes because they were in this state and they were didn't know what to do with this energy. Boom, it erupts. I've also had people not commit these crimes, not act out of violence because they were able to kind of say, let's finish this tomorrow. Let's not deal with this tonight and get some sleep. Matter of fact, one of my favorite situations, a guy came in and he said, man, my, my wife and I both were overly tired. And this is a guy who's in one of my anger management groups. He said, my wife and I were both overly tired. So I told her about what you said, about let's get to sleep. We'll talk about it in the morning. She agreed because she was exhausted. We went to sleep. She He said, the next morning we woke up. He said, I got to tell you, we looked at each other and laughed. We said we were going to finish with talking, but we forget what we were talking about. We weren't even, I don't even know what we were arguing about because what they were arguing about had to do with both of them being overly tired. So I remember on this video, sometimes people have written in and they say, please don't tell people they can go to bed angry. That goes against this and that. Listen, if you can work it out, great. But if the fight's going to continue because one or both of you is overly tired, by all means, get some rest. See if you don't feel better in the morning. Now, I want to confront conflict head on, but sometimes there are better ways and better times to do that. Listen, 866-391-1020 is the number. I'd love to hear from you. Um, whatever you're going through, we can talk it out. And if it's about being overly tired, be mindful. Be mindful of what's going on inside your body and kind of become the observer. We got a lot coming tonight on emotional management on KDK Radio. This is the show where you have time to get out what you want to get out. What gets you angry? What gets you fired up? Whatever it does, whatever gets you fired up, give me a call. Let's talk about it. 866 391 1020. Let's go to the phone lines. And Bob, you're on emotional management. Hi, uh, great show. Thank you. How do you get over? How do you get over learned helplessness? That's a great question, right there. How do you get over learned helplessness? So, learned helplessness for any of you out there who aren't familiar with it is a term that it occurs when you get used to things being not good. And you feel like there's nothing you can do about it. In fact, Bob, let me give a quick example on how they came up with this term. They did a study where they would give a mild electric shock to a dog. This is back in the day. They don't do this stuff anymore. 
But nonetheless, yeah. this is, it is what happened. So they gave a mild electric shock to this dog, and he couldn't jump out of it. They shocked the floor, and he couldn't get out of it. So eventually, mm-hmm. he just learned down, and he, he just laid down, and he would just take those shocks. Well, then they dropped yeah. the fence so that he could get out, but he had already learned when the shocks come, I just lay down and take it. And so that's kind of where mm-hmm. that term came from. So are, are, are you struggling with this, or are you just wondering in general for people, how do you get out of it? Yeah, I'm, I've been struggling with it for years, and uh, I have a uh, schizoaffective disorder. It doesn't seem like there's anything they can do for me. Well, I don't know that I, I like. I actually like that phrase. I'm not sure there's anything they can do for you, but here's a phrase I'd love to reach in your heart and have you feel. I believe there's something you can do for you. Mm-hmm. What would that be? Well, let me tell you something, Bob. I walked in the studio tonight and I said, you know what? I didn't exercise today, and I was so frustrated with myself because I said, I said, I'm going to start exercising every day, but I didn't do it. So I dropped down before my show started and I just started doing push-ups. Sometimes, Bob, you just got to do it. I love that Nike slogan, just do it. What is it that you'd like to do, Bob? Uh, I'd like to get a job and be a productive member of society. Okay, so let's... I'm on, dis- I'm on disability and I can't get off it. Okay, so what is the most realistic goal that you think you can set for yourself? Well, I could start out part-time if I could keep my health benefits and then go full-time. All right. Now, if you walked into a coffee shop and you said, hey, I'm thirsty, what are they going to say to you? Buy something. <laughs> okay, they'll say buy. But they might ask you, they said, "What, Bob, what do you want to drink, right? They're going to ask you, what do you want? Yeah. Okay, so... If you say, boy, I'd like to have a job or maybe I'd like to have something and I'm not sure what it is, that's not very clear. So we got to get clear. So what kind of job specifically would you like to get? Well, I need something with good benefits to pay for all these medicines I'm on. Okay. So you're going to have to figure out what your skills are, what your training is in, or what you need to get training in, and then make that crystal clear. But here's the deal, Mm -hmm. Bob. If you you and I were about to set out and take a journey, and that journey was across the whole country, what's the first thing we need to do? I'm a ride. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, a thir- they say there's an old saying says a journey of a thousand miles begins with the first step. That means we got to take a step. So you've got to get clear with yourself. Now, here's the deal. With learned helplessness, there is a sense sometimes that whenever an idea is suggested, your your mind might kick in and say, no, I can't do that, or no, I, you know, it keeps telling you, no, 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 no. So, yeah. is that true? Would you would, would that would that resonate? A lot of times, I sleep too much. So, what you have to find out for yourself is this: what exactly do you want? And you got to make it so crystal clear. I'm telling you, I would have you write it down. I would make your vision so clear, and then once you know what you want. Now you can go after it. You can be specific about what does it take to get there. So mm-hmm. so let's say I said, I want to bench press 500 pounds. Well, I'm not going to bench press 500 pounds on day one. Day one, i got to figure out what I need to do to start building up my chest muscles. And then I have to figure yeah. out that plan. So one thing I can do is I can figure out my end goal and then work backwards to what I would need to do. Or I can work forward and say, what, what do I want to do next? But Bob, I'm telling you, you want to do something and even the smallest thing, and then I want you to recognize it once you do it. Okay.
All right, so here's your here's the plan. You figure out what it is exactly that you want to do, and then all I want you to do is take one step toward that, whatever that step is. Mm-hmm. Okay. You want to know what that is now, or you think if you have it, if you don't have it, no worries. Well, they got a ticket to work program at Social Security, so I could try that. Okay. All right. Now watch this. Instead of saying I could try that, say I'm going to do that. Say it like that. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that. All right. Now watch this. Say it with even a little bit more oomph, like you're like you're telling somebody. Yes, I'm going to do it. Yes, I'm going to do it. Ooh, that sounds good. I like that. The most beautiful thing about you using the term learned helplessness is that what is learned can be unlearned. Yeah. Yeah, this is hard. It is hard. It's it's so difficult. Listen, I really appreciate this call because I think that you're not only helping, hopefully this is helping you, but I'm hopeful it's helping others out there. You're not the only one out there, Bob, who's struggling in this way. This is a difficult thing when you feel like it's hopeless sometimes no matter what's put in front of you you could think well there's nothing i can do about it one thing you have to do is fight though you got to fight that voice and when that voice comes Mm -hmm. up it's almost like you visualize fighting that inner voice and saying no i'm gonna i will do it Mm -hmm. okay i'll do it all right buddy i love it appreciate your call definitely thank you so it's it's what a great term what a great idea to talk about because I know there are some of you out there who are in a similar situation where you're used to doing what you're doing. And my goodness, who isn't used to doing what we're doing? That's okay. That's very normal. That's a human emotion where we're, we get into habits and there are times when all of us thrive and there are times when all of us struggle. If you want to get back to a spot where you're thriving You've got to be crystal clear about what that looks like. So I work with some of the best athletes in the world. I work with professional athletes, um, some of the top teams in the world, some of the top individual players on the planet. And when I work with those, all of those people, I'm telling them the same thing I'm telling you right now on the radio for free, and that is this. If you want something, you've got to be crystal clear about it. And then once you're crystal clear about it, you got to work toward it. You've got to take those steps. So, for instance, if I say I'm that's it, I'm I'm getting in shape. I'm not going to give myself an answer to give myself an out. It's, it's sometimes you just have to say I'm going to do it. It might not be pretty, it might not look good, but it's the first step. And sometimes we just need to take that first step. So any of you out there who are struggling, you're thinking, listen, there's something I want to do. When it comes to learned helplessness, though, I kind of love that Bob brought up that term because the great thing is Bob is smart enough to know that term. And there are many of you out there. You hear that term. You understand you're in that position. And if you learned it, you can unlearn it. So here's how you can unlearn it. You, You get clear. You get really clear. But sometimes it's a matter of that's why I love that Nike slogan of just do it because when you have that Nike slogan of just do it, it gives you an opportunity to take the steps that you need to take. It's important. And and again, there's one other line he mentioned that I think is really great. And it's a, it's a great because it resonates with all of us. We're all doing this in many ways. We get into an idea where we say, I can't, uh, they can't help me. 
And I almost want to applaud that because they can't. No one can. You can. You can help yourself. Now, I might be able to give you some insight. I might be able to hold up a mirror to have you see some of the things you're saying and doing. And that's why I advocate so strongly for counseling, for mental health, for going into therapy. I advocate so strongly for that because what counselors do, what mental health specialists do, social workers, they hold up a mirror to help you see what it is that you're saying, what it is that you're doing. They help you figure out what your patterns are, and then they help you figure out a plan to create new patterns. So I I, I strongly advocate that people get into counseling and are able to sit down with someone who can really help you work that out. Ultimately, the goal will be about getting clear. We're going to get clear. We got a lot more coming up in this show tonight. 866-391-1020 is the number. I'd love to hear from you. This is Emotional Management. I'm Dr. Christian Conti on KDKA Radio. I'm Dr. Christian Conti. It's your weekly checkup from the neck up. It's the show where we're talking about life. The number is 866-391-1020. Let's go to the phone lines. You're on KDKA Radio. Hello? How are you? Hi, I'm doing okay. Tell me what's... I went, to, I went to some counseling, and we talked about assertiveness, and I wanted to stay anonymous, but... um. You can stay anonymous. We we, we talked about that, and but, um, on the passive side, I have some assertive qualities, but um, often I am passive, and it's got me in a lot of trouble. Well, first of all, I'd like to commend your assertiveness because you chose to pick up the phone and call, and that's awesome. That's fantastic. So, well, thank you. Definitely keep stay anonymous because there's, there's no worries on that. But I love that you actually you you faced a fear. You had a fear. Should I even call? You became assertive. You called. So, where has it gotten you into trouble in the past? Well, I guess in with friends and relationships, and even with my relatives um sometimes i'm just not assertive enough and it it's hurt me in that i do things i don't want to do sometimes and um, i'm just very tired of it and can you give me an example mom, of something you might do that you don't want to do yeah i was um sometimes i don't even know what i want to do my mom was she's sick in a nursing home and my brother has cancer i'm sorry to say you know both of them are Sick and I'm trying to go between a lot of people right now and do a lot of things in between, you know, one thing to another. And my mom needed me and my brother needed me at the same time, and I didn't even think. Mm. And you felt like you were going to be wrong no matter what? You, f- you felt like you couldn't make the right decision on that? You- Sometimes what you want to do. So I think I just lost you just briefly there for a minute, but can you give me an example, if you were able, if there was no one to make you feel guilty, if there was no one to pressure you into anything, what would you like to be doing? Well, I wish I could be with both of them and help both of them. I want to help myself a little bit more. Okay, so you'd, you'd like to help both your mom and your brother, and it sounds like you're doing that in the best way that you can, but you'd like to help yourself some. What would you like to do to help yourself? Well, take better care of myself. All right, what would that look like? Well, I have a little apartment I need to work on, and 
Um, right now, there's a lot going on with it. I had some water damage, and I'm trying to straighten it up and get it cleaned out and everything to deal with the insurance and all that. How's that and, for um, you to try, How's that for you to have to call insurance companies when you're struggling with assertiveness? It's hard. <laughs> I would imagine. It's very hard. I'm afraid. I would imagine. So, what are some of the fears? Well, I guess I'm just afraid that um, they'll give me a little bit of a hard time, and um, they'll think that I'm making something up when I'm not, and um, just general talking, generalized anxiety. Okay, so it sounds also like you you put a lot of stock in what others think, like your mom, your brother, insurance company. Yeah. So, Instead of just saying what I feel. And if, worst case scenario, people disagree with you, what happens? Well, I have a hard time telling them how I feel. I really do. And the worst case scenario is they get mad at me. <laughs> they get mad at you, right. And have they been mad at you before? Yeah. And have you survived that? Yeah, I have. Yes, you have. You're a lot stronger than you think, a lot stronger than you think. A lot of times when it comes to assertiveness, we're afraid of doing something that we actually really can do. And once we do it, Mm -hmm. once we do it and we test it out, we see, look, if your mom and brother want you to be in two different places at once, apparently you're going to, you're a human, so you can't be in two different places at once. So if one of them's upset. Yeah, and if one of them upset, they're upset. You can't change that. You do the best you can. But it sounds like you're putting a lot of your power in other people's hands, and that doesn't feel good, does it? No, it doesn't. It makes me feel really bad. So how, what's the first it's step bad. in taking this power back? Not worrying so much about what other people think. Well, that's a lot easier said than done, huh? Yeah. So what have you learned in therapy about how you can change that narrative? Well, talk to myself about um, a a lot of self-talk about how it's not my responsibility, what other people think, and um, I guess they'll get over it in time, and i got to do what's best for me. So I hear you saying those words, but I feel your vo- in your voice that you don't really believe those words. Like, you, you know them intellectually. You're intelligent. You know those words. But there's a disconnect with how you feel. You don't really feel those words. Like, because if you really felt those words, you'd say, hey, look, they'll get over it. I gave them the best I could. Yeah. So- I think I believe in them. I just, I'm just learning them tonight, so it's... Just learning how to say no and just learning those sentences and it's it's how to word things I have the trouble with. All right, so I want to give you a phrase that you can take right from this show. It could be something like this. Let's say your mom wants you to be somewhere, your brother wants you to be somewhere, and you go to one of them because you can only go to one at a time, and the other one gets mad. You say, I appreciate that you're upset with me, that you want me to be there, and I appreciate that you want me around. Unfortunately, it's not possible for me to be in two places at once. And so tonight, I'm choosing mm-hmm. to go here. And uh, and I will be able to see you on a different night, but tonight's not that night. Okay, so they, unfortunately, I can't be two different places at one time, and I'm here right now, and I can't come there because... Um, <laughs> 
this is where I are losing my footing. All right, so that's okay. Let's let's stick with this for a second. Do you have any um, uh, heroes in movies that you like? Uh, let me see. Uh, I like the Delma and Louise. All right, I know Delma and Louise characters. All right, I know the I know the names of those characters. Um, I'm gonna have to admit on air, I've never seen the movie, so I don't know what happens. But I. Uh, I guess my point oh, of it is Susan this. Susan Sarandon and, um, oh, oh, I can't remember her name. I, I can visualize it, but I haven't seen Susan the movie. Sarandon. So, but here, here was my point from it. If you could find, um, some of the, the, your heroes in movies that are assertive, like if you could pick out people who are assertive in the movies, when they are, when you, have you ever seen people in movies that are assertive, kind of the way you'd like yeah, to I be? Yeah, I don't watch a lot, but I've seen, like, did you see the movie Desperately Seeking Susan? Uh, a while back, yeah, yeah. Was she assertive? Yeah, um, one of them was real assertive, and one of them was real passive. <laughs> and did you like the idea of the assertive character? Yeah, I did, but I, I liked how the other one was learning how to be more assertive. Oh, that's awesome. Okay, that's wonderful. Okay, so now let me let's take it to another level. Both of the people in that movie that you're referring to were actresses that were playing a role. One of them was playing a role of not being very assertive. The other was playing a role of being assertive. And so what I would invite you to do is practice playing the role of someone who is assertive. Oh, okay. So it's almost like you visualize yourself being this very assertive person, and when you talk to your loved ones, you talk to them under that, uh, auspice. Okay. Does that resonate with yeah. you? Yeah, it really does. Thank you so much. Definitely. And I'm so excited for you that you had the courage to face wanting to call and then you did. You made it through and you called. You did it. You did. You, you just did it and that's awesome. Yeah, I'm glad I did. Um, I'm glad I got to talk to you. Is it Christian? Christian yes. Conti? Yes. So, okay, thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you so much for calling. Okay, I hope you have a really good night. Thank you, you too. I'll to you. Thank you. Okay. Wonderful. I really appreciate that. I mean, that takes a lot of courage to be able to call in, especially when you're struggling with something like assertiveness. So the feedback I was giving her is something from the field of counseling called acting as if. In other words, sometimes when we're struggling with wanting to create a new habit, we act as if we already are functioning with that new habit. So for her, thinking, I'd like to be more assertive, you take small situations where you can act as if you are assertive, and you kind of test it out, and you watch it, make it in a safe space, and but then watch it. So for instance, for her, being able to tell either her mother or brother that she can't be there, because it's very rational, irrational and reasonable that she can't be in two different places at once. So the more she can practice acting as if she's assertive to say, listen, I'd love to be there with you. I simply can't. The better she's going to get at it. Remember, we master what we practice. If we want to get good at being assertive, we have to practice assertiveness. It doesn't mean we have to start out being the most assertive people in the world. It means we want to practice it. Take little steps. But take those steps nonetheless. 866-391-1020 is a number. I'm Dr. Christian Conti. This is Emotional Management on KDK Radio.
We're back. I'm Dr. Christian Conti. 866-391-1020 is the number. Whatever gets under your skin, whatever gets to you, whatever is getting you fired up, give me a call. 866-391-1020 is the number. Let's go to the phone lines. G, you're on emotional management. Yes. Hello. How are you? I'm great. I'm calling because I, I, I have a problem with um, anger because of loneliness. I, um, I just got out of a relationship. Again, um, excuse me, I'm so sorry. Take your anyway, time, take your time. I'm I sorry really, to hear that. I really did like him, and um, but after a year of knowing him, it's been four years, I, I, sh- I should have known to let him go because he finally told me he, w- he was on crack cocaine. Mm. And I've had a problem in the past with issues. So I, I've tried to turn my head for the next three years, and... And last year or so, he's he's finally is finally because I've I've talked to different people. He's finally uh, he, he uh, threw me out in the rain on the ground, uh, and they tried to tell me to leave him alone. Then he he choked me. Then um, this last occasion, he he threw me on a glass table, and I, I was forced to go and uh, go downtown, and I had to get a PFA, and then they made him get anger management classes, and he has a PFA. But the thing that I'm pissed off about, this is not the first relationship. It seems like it's never ending. They only last three or four years, mm. and that's it. Mm. And it's so unfair. And I've talked to my father, and my father said, I'd rather see you alone than to be with other of these guys. But meantime, my mom died in 2011, and he met somebody and got remarried. Well, so okay, so but well, so it's not it's not that he doesn't want you to be um, with someone. He doesn't want you to be what well, at least the way I heard the way I heard you say it. He doesn't want you to be with someone who's abusive, who's hurting you. And he and and I definitely agree with that. I wouldn't want you to be with someone who is abusive and is hurtful to you because you don't deserve that. Gee, you deserve so much better than that. So. I, I, I think it's better to, if, if you need to focus on you right now, focus on you. But instead of, I, I know to, I've been, I've been, I've been told that. However, it, it's, 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 it's not like your feelings go away just like that. You no. know what I mean? I live alone, and you know, sometimes I get scared. I suffer from anxiety. I'm, I take anxiety medication, but this isn't the first. I'm wondering, is it me? I'm a nice person. I'm responsible. I, I can't figure it out. Oh, it's not. It's not you in the sense like you don't ever cause someone to be violent towards you. That's. That's not a, that is not you. You don't cause someone to be violent. Now, there may be things that you can learn from how you start relationships or how much, how fast you go and things like that. Or even there could be things that you've learned through the years about identifying. For instance, if you meet somebody new and they talk about how they were violent in the past, but that's not them anymore. Well, they already just gave you a clue right there that if they did in the past, they're probably going to do it again. And a lot mm-hmm. of times, a lot of times, if people have a history of being abusive, they will really kind of amplify and glorify everything about you when you first meet, and they'll talk about their relationships failing in the context of the other person causing them to cause that pain. And when mm-hmm. you hear that, that is a red flag. That's a light up, lighted up red flag. Where, okay. where you, they're telling you, gee, they're saying, look, I've done this before, and once we get close and I feel safe enough with you, I'm about to do it again. I think that might be it. And the thing is, just, I mean, like I said, I live alone, and then 
sometimes when I go to bed, my mind keeps going over and over and over, and I can't get the proper amount of sleep. Well, and definitely that impacts you, too, because remember, I think I talked about this the onset of the show, when we don't have enough sleep, that impacts us emotionally. But one of the things when you're laying there and you're being reflective, you might think about what would be the kind of partner you're really looking for? Like, really think about the kind of partner you're looking for. But also, even though you have this idea of what you're looking for, sometimes we can get so caught up in that that we we overlook the stuff we know not to overlook. So if oh. we went back, let me ask you this, G, if we, if we went back in time, like when you first started seeing that guy, were there signs? Um. Uh- yeah, and yeah, in a way, in a way, in a way. Yeah, yeah, because uh, the type of family he comes from, he's cut from a different zone than I am. I hate to say that, but I was told that it's best to be equally equally yoked. Mm-hmm. But um, uh, yeah, he did. He would talk brag about you know how you know Captain Crunch sounded like a little kid to me, and how he doesn't take no stuff, and you know who he is beat up and this and that. But I thought that was immature, so I just like totally just better go one ear and not the other. But see, that's just it. That's, but listen, this is, this is kind of, this is a, you gave yourself a really incredible key right there. You, you heard it and you thought, well, let me just overlook this. And I think that what I've noticed, because I, I kind of specialize in, in working with people who are convicted of these violent crimes and do this repeated violence. And one of the things I've seen through the years is they do show those signs early, but people often overlook them. So what I would invite you to do is figure out what it is that you were overlooking and Next time when you see it, I almost want you to picture that I'm waving a giant red flag in front of the guy. As soon as you, as soon as he, you, you see that sign, I want you to picture mm-hmm. me waving a big red flag and go, wait a minute, this is this is that same sign. I know what's going to happen down the road. Okay, well, one more one more thing. He lives like two blocks down the street from me, and uh, I, I, you know, I do a lot of walking, and I, I go to different stores and things like that, and I, I have to walk past the house he lives in, but I've decided to walk on the other side of the street and not even look. Is, is that a good thing to do, to, to ignore? It, it is. It is for you to stay away. And also, if you have a PFA, he is not allowed to contact you. And I cannot tell you how many people through the years I've worked with in prisons where they've gotten arrested because they can, they pushed it. They said, well, well, I just said this. I, no, no, listen, he has a PFA. If it's a no-contact order, is it a no-contact order? Yes, yes. If it's a no contact order. Yes, yes. So, gee, let me tell you this. You have a right that he can't be out there staring you down and and trying to give you communication. And that's one thing if you're standing outside his house trying to get him to come out. And that's one thing. But if he he initiates any contact with you whatsoever, I want you to not wait and not say, oh, it's okay. He just me. No, listen, if he initiates contact, there's a no contact order. That means you contact the authorities right away and say, this is what's happening. Okay, because, okay, well, I'm, I'm just glad just to get it off my chest, but I just don't understand why this is a repeated thing. I'm 56 years old. Like, I don't have, I'm not saying how long I'm going to live, but, I mean, four years, I mean, it's just getting to be ridiculous. I know people that date one or two years and they end up getting married. I mean, I, you know, it's just Well, everyone's ridiculous. different. What I want you to do is think about the what lessons have you learned in terms of what you look for in others? In other words, one more, let me give you one more. There's a tendency whenever someone feels broken and in the beginning of a relationship, you say, well, well, I could fix this guy. I could really help him because he's so broken. He's struggling. But the truth is 
He's given you clues right in those struggles of what he does. And when you see those clues, please, gee, don't let them go. Don't shove them under the rug. Okay, you're right. You're right. Because I did try to, I did try to get him help, but he, he, I, obviously that's the lifestyle he wants to live. There's nothing I can do about it. Now. You're right. So you're I, right. You're 100 percent right. Listen, G, I'm sending you a ton of peace. Okay. Appreciate you calling. Okay. Thank you. Thank you so much. You know, my, my heart goes out to G and my heart goes out to people who are out there struggling. If you're struggling, give me a call, 866-391-1020. We are all in this life together. We need each other. 866-391-1020. I'm Dr. Christian Conti. This is Emotional Management on KDKA Radio. Welcome back, Emotional Management, 866-391-1020. Whatever fires you up, whatever gets you angry, let me know. Give me a call. 866-391-1020 is the number. This past week, I have, um, I get to do a lot of really interesting things with my career. This past week, I spoke in, uh, Durant, Oklahoma at the Choctaw Nation. It was an incredible event. They brought police officers. They brought, um, mental health specialists, doctors, lawyers, they brought all these people together to say, what can we do to really help our society? How can we best op? How can we operate in the best possible way, both for people who are struggling around um, doing things ineffectively and doing things wrong. And some people uh, just needing some serious help. How do we do it? How do we reach out? And I love that. I was proud to be a part of that event. It was pretty amazing. We all, need each other. We all have strengths and weaknesses. We all have areas of our lives where we'd like to improve. That's just reality. That's being a human. That's just being a human being. I'm going to go to the emails and here is one from Stephanie. Stephanie says, it's hard to stay positive all the time. Sometimes it hurts when I have depressive thoughts after doing so well with positive self-talk for so many days in a row. It makes me feel like I'm failing myself just like I have my whole life. I can never just stay okay. P.S. I take medication for depression and PMDD. Uh, that is uh, premenstrual dysphoric disorder. And I was okay for almost two years, but the depression came back in the beginning of this year. It's hard to feel like it's not my fault at this point. Stephanie, Stephanie, thank you so much for your email. My gosh, like... I I I, I kind of wish I could reach in your heart and really have you feel this message, and that is you have some physiological stressors. You have physiological things that are going on. In other words, your body is going through a lot. It's going through a lot. Look, to be struggling with PMDD, uh, that premenstrual dysphoric disorder, it's kind of like if uh, you know when ex- extreme irritability, depression, anxiety. So think about that. Think about what that does when you feel heavy. So a lot of times people describe depression as heavy, like a weight. And it feels like a weight because you don't feel like doing anything. You don't feel like doing the things that you want to be doing. And sometimes you don't even want to be doing anything. And then on top of that, here come the thoughts. And now the thoughts, and this is this is what I like. So Stephanie, what I like about you recognizing your self-talk is you have the key there 
to ways you can help at least improve. And I like that you know that. Here's the part where I see that the self-talk could be improved. So when you say something like, it's hard not to feel like it's all my fault at this point. So there's probably a sense of you saying, this is all my fault. And now if you're suffering, you're struggling, and you're in that period of darkness and you're saying, what's well, my fault? Well, you're not doing this to yourself. You're not making this happen to yourself. So what do you do? Okay, so A, the first step, Stephanie, is being easy on yourself. Now, listen, if this was me, all right, so I might not have PMDD, but let's say if I was struggling with depression or let's say I was struggling with anxiety, if it was me, you would look at me and you'd say, hey, listen, be easy on yourself. My guess is, Stephanie, without ever meeting you and only seeing an email from you, my guess is it's easier for you to be easy on others and difficult for you to be easy on yourself. See, we beat ourselves up with that self-talk. Now, here's another clue in your email. The first line says it's hard to stay positive all the time. One of the things that you'll find if you listen to this show enough is that I'm not advocating that you run around and think positive thoughts. I advocate for you to think accurate thoughts. Here's the difference. Positive thoughts are, oh, hey, don't worry. Just be happy. Well, we can't just be happy. Sometimes our body's struggling. Sometimes our brain chemistry is driving us to feel down, to feel sad, to feel anxious. And when that happens, it's not a matter of just being positive. Sometimes it's a matter of being accurate. And being accurate means saying things to the effect of, I'm struggling right now, but there will be a beginning, a middle, an end to what I'm going through. This isn't me. This doesn't define me. Maybe this is a period where I need to go inward. See, the narrative that we tell ourselves shapes how we experience the world. So if you tell yourself, for instance, Everything happens to me. It's not fair. Everything happens to me. Oh, here goes this again. There goes another thing. See, it's just my luck. Look, all around you all day long, there are things, both negative and positive, good and bad, right, wrong. All that stuff is happening all day long. What you look for drives your narrative, A, and B, your narrative drives what you look for. So, in other words, if... You get yourself caught up, and this isn't just to you, Stephanie, this is to everyone out there. If you get yourself caught up in the everything happens to me mentality, it's not fair, this is this this is happening to me, well, you make yourself a victim in that moment, and here's why I don't like to use that word victim. So a victim, people are victimized, no doubt that happens for sure, people are definitely most definitely victimized at times, but I don't like identifying people or calling people victims because to me, to be called or defined a victim is to be in a position of helplessness, powerlessness, and I don't believe that. I believe in the human spirit. I believe in your spirit, Stephanie, and I believe not just in you, but in everyone out there that if you're struggling, it's okay to say, look, this is a, this is a difficult moment, but I can get through it. See, that that's empowering right there, to shift it from this is happening to me to this is my adventure. So I love the metaphor of an adventure story. See, if I'm going to watch a movie, if I'm going to watch something, I love a good adventure. I don't know about you, but I'm not going to turn on a movie to watch the grass grow. I'm not going to turn it on to watch somebody sit in a chair and not do anything. I want to see an adventure. 
And so the same is true with my own life. When I experience things that are difficult at times, I just view it as an adventure. And I think, okay, this is the part of the adventure where this is happening. My wife says this, and this is a great statement. If everything was happening absolutely perfectly our whole lives, well, we wouldn't be human. We wouldn't be here. Of course, we're going to need moments to remind us we're human. We're going to need those moments. Now, some people will say they see a lot more of those moments than others. Some people will say, well, it's just my luck. Why define your luck that way? Why not define your luck on the things that you do have? And here's what I've seen, 20,000 plus hours of clinical therapy, and here's what I've seen. I've watched people define themselves as, it's just my luck. This always happens to me. When I go places, it rains. Guess what? It rains when a lot of people go to those places. Are you focusing on the rain or are you focusing on being where you are? See, it comes down to that narrative. It comes down to what you tell yourself. And it's not a matter of, and, and just knowing that self-talk, that's wonderful. But then the next step is to be easy on yourself and go, you know what? Right now, my self-talk stinks and that's okay, but I'm going to get through this because there's a beginning, a middle and end to every emotional experience. See, what I would advocate for you, Stephanie, is to become the observer instead of judging your thoughts. Well, they weren't very good today. Become the observer and just notice them. Hey, my thoughts were kind of negative today. And the more you notice your thoughts as an observer without judging them, the better chance you have to not add the additional stress of judgment and shame on top of the reality that you're physiologically feeling down. Remember, your mind wants to match your body, and if your body's feeling down, it makes sense why your mind would tell a story to match it. But what if you took control of that story? What if you took control of that narrative? How different would it be? So my invitation to you, Stephanie, is to take control of that narrative. Be easy on yourself. Yeah, there are going to be moments that are difficult, but you're strong. You're, you have an inner warrior, and it's time to go to that inner warrior. Be empowered. You're going to have negative thoughts some days. That's okay. That's human. Be easy on yourself. And the easier you are on yourself, the faster you'll get through them. 866-391-1020 is the number. I'd love to hear from you. There's still time on this show. If something's firing you up, if something's getting you angry, if something's just getting to you, give me a call. 866-391-1020. I'm Dr. Christian Conti. This is Emotional Management on KDKA Radio. We're back. Emotional management, 866-391-1020 is the number. I'm Dr. Christian Conti. Whatever you're struggling with, give me a call. Let's go to the phone lines. Trina from South Carolina, you're on emotional management. Hello. How are you? Hi, I'm great. How are you? I'm doing well. How can I help? Um, I've listened to your YouTube videos and so I've learned a lot from you but I'm just struggling with a situation that I have with my my sister and her daughter and my family so I don't know how detailed you want me to get into it but I'll just well, make it short that hey I was going to tell you thanks for watching those videos I appreciate that I'm glad to see you. I'm, I'm glad they were helpful oh my gosh you're amazing um thank you and Yes. Well, what part about your thing. what part about your sister? What's standing out? Like, what what comes to mind first? I think that she just doesn't acknowledge or accept her own issues, and so she tries to just constantly put them off on me. And uh, you know, I, I have a, I have a hard enough time trying to deal with my own 
things going on, and I have custody of I tell you my what, granddaughter. What, so what happened with your granddaughter? Um, her, well, her, her grand, her daughter is a recovering for the fifth time heroin addict, and this last time, I decided to intervene and fight for custody of her because her life was in danger numerous times. And I've been a primary caretaker of her since she was about five weeks old. Mm. Um, yeah, so I intervened, hired an attorney, and got custody of her. And her daughter went to uh, rehab for eight weeks and came home and decided she wanted her back. Well, this is a pattern for her because she was her fifth time around. Mm. And so she's shown the same pattern. So I wanted restrictions for the child for her safety. Right. And um, so I have her in counseling, and her life's changed. And so she's happy, and things are going well, but they don't follow the rules. Every time my sister has the child, she lets the mother see her, and she's not supposed to. And, you know, they just don't follow the rules, so I just cut off communication with them. Well, you you had to do that. You had to do that. Yeah. They don't understand it that way. They, you know, and so when I tried to have a contact, I reached out to her. She hadn't had contact with her in two months. I reached out to her yesterday because her birthday is coming up this week, and I just asked her if she wanted to be a part of planning the birthday party and if there was a place where the whole family could come. You know, I was trying to help the situation, and um, everything went great. When she asked if she could talk to her daughter that evening, I thought it was probably not going to be a good idea tonight because she has a school event after school, and she's usually tired. I said, how about tomorrow? So about 8 o'clock that night, she sent a message and wanted that she could talk to her. And I just said, she, I said, I asked her. She did not want to talk. She's playing with her friends at the school event. I said, I think it was probably best if we try tomorrow and you can have our full attention. And so she came back with a message and said, since you won't let me see my daughter, mm. you won't let me talk to my daughter. And so I took that as an attack. My sister's defending her saying, that's not an attack, that it's my fault because I won't let her see her daughter. Well, and I like the way you, you, you are aware enough to say that you took it as an attack, recognizing probably, if you really looked at it probably from maybe your deepest self, was it more of an attack or was it more of her struggling, recognizing her own insecurities or not wanting to recognize them and just kind of putting that passively, aggressively off on you? Exactly. That that verbs that forms it perfectly. See, because when we she, think about when we think that they're out to attack us, it's almost like you can you end up having more stress on you. But when you see, mm-hmm. it's almost like when someone's drowning and they pull try to pull someone else underneath. It's not that they're really trying mm-hmm. to hurt that other person. It's they don't know what to do, and it sounds like she's flailing psychologically and trying to pull you under when you're trying to set things and have clear boundaries and really help this help her daughter mm-hmm. yes you're absolutely right so the the challenge i think for you is going to be not taking it personally like really understanding like almost want you to see her as that person who's drowning and trying to like grab on to pull you under but instead of pulling you under i almost want you to just throw that life vest of saying look you can pull on something that's fine but i'm not going to take it personally and the moment you stop taking it personally that's going to be the life the the psychological life raft. She's going to pull okay. on that. She's going to go, "Okay, well, you can, she can come at you. Okay, great. I I appreciate that you're angry and you're, you you want to take it out on me. That's that's fine. At the end of the day, I'm going to keep her safe 
and I'm going to do what's best for her. And I, I appreciate if you're upset with me or, or with anybody, really. But at the end of the day, I'm going to do what's best for her. Okay. That sounds really good. Thank you. Definitely. And I want to be able to say this number just for people who are struggling with addiction because there is an addiction uh, resource center, and the number is 833-301-HELP. 833-301-HELP. So if, if, if this would be a number maybe for, um, if, if you ever need to reach out, like to, to, ha- to get some help for her, uh, this is a national line where they find you help in your area if you're struggling with addiction. So 833-301-HELP. Um, okay. Just want you to know about that resource for you. But Thank you. I appreciate that. Definitely. De- definitely. I'm I'm so grateful that you're watching the videos and you're listening to the show. I appreciate that a lot. That means a lot to me. I, my heart goes out to you because you're doing the right thing. You're doing all the things you're that are in, trying to keep her daughter safe, and you're getting it. You know, you're getting a lot of stuff at you. But again, I don't think it's personally attacking you. I think it's a person who's psychologically drowning, trying to pull you under. Wow, that really makes me feel so much better. Good, it makes a lot of weight off of me, and I appreciate it. And I, I look forward to your videos. Oh, thank really you so do. much. All right, but I get some I really more. Do. And I, I share them. So. Oh, that's awesome. That means a lot to me. Thank I appreciate you. So you. Thank much. you. Definitely. Well, don't get don't get in that water. Just toss her the psychological life raft and 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 avoid taking that personally. Thank, thank you. Thank you, Chris. I really appreciate it. You have a Gina. wonderful night. Thank you. Sending thank you, so you tons of peace. Bye bye. Thank you. Bye bye. Um, what it's, it's, I really feel honored that I, you know, we're getting people who are listening from all over the country and in different countries right now. So that means a lot to me, uh, Trina and, and tuning into the YouTube channel as well. If you're not familiar with my YouTube channel, you just go to YouTube, type in Dr. Christian Conti. I'm sure you could probably just type in anger management. You'd see some videos of me since you can't see me on the radio. I'm six feet, 250 something. We'll just say 250-something, bald-headed guy with tattoos. But um, I say 250-something because as of tonight, I started doing push-ups in between the commercials here because I'm, I'm, I'm on a quest. I'm on a quest now. Look, we're all struggling. We're all struggling in different ways. You don't have to struggle alone. You don't have to go through this alone. Gregory, Gregory writes, how do you not react to the same person giving you dirty looks all the time? Gregory, great question. I would say not to react to the same person giving you dirty looks all the time because that person is obviously trying to get you to react. And if you do react, you're going to be that person's puppet. And then the other thing is what's going on inside someone's mind who's staring you down and giving you dirty looks? Like, what do you think could possibly be going through someone's mind who does that constantly? If somebody does that once in a blue moon, maybe they're having a bad day. Maybe they... They're trying to glare through you. If someone does that to you all the time, imagine the inner turmoil in their world. See, one of the truest statements that you'll ever hear is this. People do not hurt people when they're in a place of complete peace. If you were in a place of complete peace, you're not going to lash out. You're not going to hurt someone else. If you're struggling internally, and, and, and Trina's dealing with it with her sister and, and, and anyone involved in that, when she's talking about people who are hurting psychologically and trying to pull her down when she's doing the right thing. And that's the kind of person we want to reach in our heart and have her feel, look, it's not personal. It's just like someone is psychologically drowning, trying to pull you under. 
Do not go under with those people. Toss them a psychological life raft. And there is a psychological life raft. Here's what it is. Are you ready? If you get walking through anger, you're going to learn all about it. But my yield theory boils down to doing three core things, three core things which can change the way you interact with others. They are the psychological life raft. And coming up, I'm going to give you what those three things are. Until then, 866-391-1020 is the number. I'm Dr. Christian Conti. This is Emotional Management on KDKA Radio. So before the break, I I teased what's coming up. I said, look, if we're someone's trying to pull you under because they're in pain and they're psychologically drowning and they're trying to pull you under with them, then you want to throw them a psychological life, dra- life raft so that way you're not getting pulled in under with them. And I said there is, it's, it's in the book. It's, I'm telling you, it's going to be exciting to read, um, walking through anger. I believe it'll be my legacy book, but here's, here's my life raft. The psychological life draft is this. Listen, validate, explore options. If you do those three things, all of a sudden you find yourself not taking things personally. See, when we really listen to others, when we truly listen to them, what we hear is that the struggles they're experiencing are internal. There was a monk and he was always had a little mirror. He had a pocket mirror with him everywhere he went. And uh, a lady came up to him once and she said, I thought you were supposed to be holy. Why are you carrying a mirror with you? Isn't that a little uh, self-serving there? You're always checking yourself out. So the monk pulled out the mirror and he said, oh, this, he said, I carry this with me everywhere I go so that when I encounter difficulties, I pull it out and look at it to remind myself that I am both the source and the solution to my problems. I am both the source and the solution to my problems. Look, when we listen to people, we see that A, whatever's happening, whatever they're throwing out at, they can't say things to us that are not already inside of them. So that's important to know. Then when we validate that, when we, and here's what validation means. It doesn't mean we agree with people. It doesn't mean that we condone whatever they're saying or doing. When we validate someone, what it means is we're acknowledging how they feel. We're acknowledging their perspective, what they're saying. And finally, exploring options. We, we say, where do we go from here? Look, the past is gone. And we can't get that back. Future hasn't been written yet. So all we have is the present moment. And we want to explore options from this moment forward. Listen, validate, explore options. And if that information resonates with you, that's just the low, that's just on the back cover. So I'm excited to share. I'm excited to share this book and, and this theory with you. It's called Yield Theory. The book is called Walking Through Anger. It is available for pre-order now anywhere you get uh, your favorite. It'll be in all, all your favorite bookstores. Wherever you get uh, books, please get it. But you can get it online, too. Uh, definitely do it. That uh, You can get, definitely order it now. It'll be out officially October 29th. So let's go to, uh, I want to get a couple more questions. First is this. My son is 17 years old. So this email comes from Madeline. Madeline writes, my son is 17 years old. When he gets angry, he punches the wall, dresser, or chair. His knuckles are in bad shape. His dad has never been in his life. Only myself and his two older uh, sisters, which are 10 and 14 years apart, 
What do I do to help him? Madeline. Madeline, thank you so much for your question. Your son's 17. He gets angry. He punches the wall. Look, this young man, he doesn't have a father figure around. His dad has never been in his life. I'm making a projection that he doesn't have a father. Maybe he does have a father figure. His dad isn't around. Um, so what can you do to help him? I would really advocate you taking him in to talk to someone. Now, if he is a normal functioning 17-year-old boy, he's probably not going to want to go to counseling. He's going to say, this is stupid, this is dumb, and that's okay. Instead of fighting him on it, all too often parents will say, no, you're gone, I'm telling you, and it becomes an argument. I would listen. If he says, I don't want to go, I'd listen to that, but then I'd validate him. Yeah, it would, and maybe it is, maybe it is dumb. We'll see, you know, like, let me really see your position, but then let's explore options, which is, how about we go and check it out? If you don't like it, then we'll, we'll, we'll reconsider at that time, but let's go check it out and see what they have to say. Um, look, not every counselor is fit for every client. So I love what I do with a passion. I love what I do with a passion. I am not for everyone. If I, ever if, if if clients came in and said hey listen and they told me an issue or it didn't click it wasn't the right fit i would tell them that in two seconds i would want them to have the best possible care so sometimes let's say you take your 17 year old son into a counselor and it, it, the person doesn't doesn't match up well here's what i want you to know madeline and i really want you to know this you can then take him to a different counselor there will be counselors who a specialize in anger B, specialize in working with adolescents, and C, will fit with him. There will be counselors who fit with him, but I would take him in to see someone. Here's why. I teach people when you're mad not to punch the wall, and there's a very important reason why. So I say not just punch the wall, but to go punch a pillow or to go yell in a pillow and all that stuff. The reason why that's not true anger management is this. We master what we practice, and if we practice that when we're angry, we punch— when we're angry, we, when we're angry, we scream, then that's exactly what we do when we're really angry. And when we don't have a pillow to punch, when we don't, a pillow to scream into, when we, we, we scream at someone else, when we don't have a, a punching bag to punch, we punch a wall, we punch something else. So what he's learning to do is associate when he's angry punch. And I would very much want him to unlearn that. I would want him to learn to Sit with those emotions. Understand how to deal with them. Matter of fact, it's anger that he's experiencing, and I'd want him to learn how to walk through that anger. What a good plug for my book. The book's coming out. It's available right now. Madeline, you can get it for him. You can go online, Amazon. Uh, you can go to Sounds True website. Sounds True is the publisher. Love them. Phenomenal publisher. But the book's called Walking Through Anger, A New Design for Confronting Conflict in an emotionally charged world, walking through anger. I love what I do. I'm excited to share this book with, with you and the world. Uh, I, I believe there are things that we've learned about anger that say that the old, the old count to 10 kind of stuff is, it's not sound and we want to give you stuff that is sound. And so that's what happens in this book, Walking Through Anger. And if you want to see me, check out YouTube. Go to YouTube.com. Just type in Dr. Christian Conti. Every week I'm here doing this show, Emotional Management. I do what I do on YouTube. I write the books I write. I do what I do all because there are a lot of people struggling in the world. And what I want for my legacy, above all, is to wish all of you much peace. This is Emotional Management on KDK Radio.